Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tovia Kopsty. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. This is your host, Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein. And in this episode, we have the great privilege of sitting down with Mort Fertel. Mort is the CEO of Sudshare, which is a fast-rising, industry-revolutionizing, two-marketplace, personal laundry service that is in over 400 zip codes, 100,000 users in just a few years of existence, and it is started by his high school age son, Nachshon. It's an incredible story. Bort is an incredible person. He's done so much in his life. We touch upon all kinds of wild areas in this conversation. Let's hear it. Our Tribe, the podcast with Mark Fortell. Okay, welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast. We are very pleased to be sitting down with Mort Fortell. And Mort and his son are at the helm of, of a very fast-growing, exciting startup called Sudshare. And Mort, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Okay. Mort, we'd love to know this, the story of the business. And, and tell, us, tell us a little of your story. Tell us about your son's story and, and how, this, how this business started. Sure. So Sudshare started because of one comment my wife made in 2017. Uh, she was home with our five kids buried in laundry. And she's like, this is crazy. I can tap an app and get to the airport, FaceTime someone on the other side of the world, but I'm still doing laundry like my grandmother. And as always, she was right. Technology's made everything so fast and easy, except for this chore that we hate the most and takes the longest, laundry. It's actually shocking, if you think about it, that there's been hardly any innovation in this space since the washer and dryer almost a century ago. And as a result, in America, we're spending 13 billion hours and $75 billion a year doing something that literally no one wants to spend time and money doing. There just hasn't been a good alternative. There's always been three things certain in life, death, taxes, and laundry. So Sudshare solves laundry. You just tap the app and it's done, wash, dry, fold, pick up, and delivery. We call it Life Without Laundry, and it's powered by this nationwide network of over 100,000 personal launderers. My 16-year-old son, Nakshom, was in the laundry room at the time that my wife made that comment. And typical teenager, he's like, look, mom, I don't know if I want to help you with the laundry, but I can solve this problem for you. I'll build you an app. So we thought he was kidding. But we homeschooled our kids, and we taught them that you can learn to do anything. So he believed us. And he went and he researched and he learned exactly how Uber built all this technology, this two-sided marketplace, two different apps, a little technology in the background. And he did it. I'm still not exactly sure how he figured it out and how he did it, but we launched in Baltimore in mid-2018. And uh, the rest is history. We're, we're now in 400 markets nationwide. We just closed a $10 million seed round and uh, the company's growing very nicely. That's an amazing story. So you're saying that Nachshon, your, your son, he did all of the research that it took to do the actual tech of building the app, and, and you're not involved in that aspect of the, of the business. Is that correct? Correct. I can't write a line of code. <laughs> uh, so Nachshon is my co-founder and CTO. He developed all the technology. I mean, now we have a whole engineering team, um, you know, mm -hmm. people that uh, work for him and report to him. Um, 
that, you know, that works on the code. But for the first few years, it was just him doing the code. And I was handling other aspects of the business as I still am. I'm the CEO of the company. Um, Nakshon's the CTO and we're co-founders and partners. Amazing. Okay. So can you tell me some of the, of the challenges that you faced when, when implementing the idea of Sudshare? Well, a lot of the challenges I can't speak to because they're, they're technological and, and you know, Nakshon could elaborate on those. I mean, to build this kind of technology is not simple. Um, it's a monster task. Uh, I can't speak to that. Um, I can speak to a couple of the challenges. So in mar- marketplaces, such here is a two-sided marketplace. Um, so on one side of the platform, we have our customers that outsource their laundry to us. They, you know, free up hours each week of their time. They pay a dollar per pound. And then on the other side of the platform, we have our launderers, who we affectionately call sudsters. And they turn their laundry room into a work from home gig. And then Sudshare is in the middle with a 25% take rate. So one of the challenges of, uh, or two of the challenges for every marketplace is what's called, number one, the cold start problem. A marketplace only works if you have both sides of the marketplace simultaneously, right? Uh, When you go to, when you tap the app and, you know, you want to get an Uber to the airport. So there has to be you, the customer, and there also has to be the driver. The driver needs you, you need the, the driver. And it's the two together that make the marketplace and make the business successful. But it's the, it's the chicken or egg problem. It's the cold start problem. Like which comes first, you know, which side of the marketplace comes first and how do you build both sides simultaneously? So this was one of the, one of the challenges with, you know, the sort of the cold start problem. And then even after you solve the cold start problem, once you've launched the marketplace, now you have to keep the marketplace in equilibrium. Um, in other words, there has to be a constant balance between supply and demand. If there's too many customers and not enough sudsters, so you have customers unhappy, they're placing orders that are not getting filled. If you have too many sudsters and not enough customers, so then you've got sudsters unhappy that they signed up to work and there's not enough work. So that's a constant challenge of keeping the marketplace in equilibrium. So that's, that's just two, two things that, uh, that, come, that come to mind. I think I read that the the algorithm that Sudster designed is meant to solve those problems. As you get more customers, you'll also have more Sudsters because it reaches it reaches out to potential employees or Sudsters as you call them. Right. At so the same we, time right. So we've developed right. So we've developed technology that's constantly measuring uh, the the equilibrium or lack of equilibrium in the marketplace in 4,000 zip codes nationwide, the 4,000, approximately 4,000 zip codes that we service. And when it, when the algorithm senses a, uh, an imbalance in the marketplace, so then that triggers certain um, uh, levers that we pull to either increase customer acquisition or increase sudster acquisition. Wow. So do you have some people who are sudsters who are working all day long doing other people's laundry? Yes. Many of our sudsters do it full time. Uh, Many of them also do it part time. Uh, It's completely up to them. They're independent contractors um, and they have, you know, one of the nice things about the gig is they have complete flexibility in when they work, how often they work, et cetera. 
So we have some sudsters that, uh, you know, work, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, do it full time. Our top sudster is making $5,000 a month, um, which, you know, is twice what I think she's ever made in her life. And, uh, you know, pretty substantial income for, you know, for this type of at-home manual labor. Um, and then we have sudsters that uh, just do it a little bit in order to, uh, you know, take care of certain bills each month. Um, and uh, maybe to supplement income they have, they have coming from other jobs that might be part-time or even full-time. Wow. Now, is there a certain company culture that you try to create so that a sister feels like they're part of something bigger and they're, they're appreciated? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's one of my favorite topics because anybody who's familiar with these marketplaces, you know, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, et cetera, um, you know, and the growth of them. And if you're up on the news on them, so you might know there's a lot, historically, there's been a lot of tension, even a lot of lawsuits between the companies and the gig workers. And there's been a, a lot of, you know, various types of complaints, depending on the era and also the company. Um, thank God we don't have any of that. We really work very hard to build a community of sudsters and to make sure that we're connected to them, that they're connected to us, that, that um, they're connected to each other. Um, we really work hard to make sure that they feel part of the brand and that they're not outsiders, that we're not um, you know, opponents, but we're on the same team. Uh, in fact, I just... I just hired, I just recruited and hired a full-time person just to show, I mean, we're, we're a relatively small company, you know, compared to Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, et cetera. But just to demonstrate our commitment to this idea, this question you're asking, um, even this early in the business, I committed the resources to hire a full-time person. And all she does is build this community of Sudsters. All she does is build our relationship with these sudsters, listen to them, make, you know, um, promote the kinds of changes that they want to see, um, give them resources to make their, their work easier, their work more efficient, uh, teach them about how to do a better job and get higher, you know, bigger tips. Um, we put a lot of time and energy into our community of sudsters. Um, we value them. We love them. We realize they're the key to, uh, to our business. And, um, also, not just from a practical point of view, and a and a, um, but also, but also just from a like sort of life's mission and purpose point of view. You know, I I, I want to do good in the world. I want to have good, healthy, productive relationships with people, and I see my work. I see business as an opportunity for a Kiddush Hashem and to facilitate those relationships. And I don't want our work relationships at Sudshare to be simply transactional. Um, I want the relationships to transcend the transaction and provide the richness of relationships that brings a fulfillment to life beyond the money we get paid to do the job. And that's the culture I'm creating in our offices. We have two offices in Salt Lake City and in Minneapolis. 
And that's also the culture I'm working hard to create amongst the Sudsters. That's beautiful. Now, just in case our listeners are not familiar, that Mark, uh, Mort, sorry, Mort used the, the term Kiddush Hashem. And by Kiddush Hashem, he means that, that, that uh, the way a Jew acts in public is one that brings honor and glory to our Creator. So, because people see the the exemplary actions of of a person who is openly Jewish, and they they associate, therefore, these actions become are, are being done because that person is Jewish, and that means it's a it's a beautiful thing to be Jewish. I, I love your definition. So I love case. your description of that. <laughs> so this this is really what this is the core of what puts such share sets such share apart from all of these other two market. What do you call it? Two marketplaces. Two sided marketplace. How do you call two-sided marketplaces that that you you might have businesses that have really taken off and they've and they've employed many lay people and uh, the, there's a new workforce because of Uber and DoorDash and things like this but but there's the tension that that they have experienced over their existence is perhaps due to some lack of of respect of of the records the human dignity and respect that they that the that the people on top are showing to their employees and and i see that that's that's something that you're trying to really keep your finger on so just just for the rec just for the record because i don't know who's going to be watching or listening to this so so i didn't say that you did in other words i i don't know why (laughs) i'm not making any i I, i'm not making any claims about why there has historically been this tension between some of these companies and their gig workers um you know, I, I, uh, I know a little bit about what I've read, but I'm not in those companies. I don't know what the source of it is. Um, mm-hmm. I just know that for Sudshare, it's important to me that, um, that we are working in harmony with our Sudsters, that it's a win-win relationship, um, that we appreciate them and we demonstrate that appreciation. And hopefully they appreciate us and demonstrate it in, in turn. Yeah, it sounds it sounds so important. Uh, not just as you said, not just as, as a as a business strategy, but it's 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 so important because you honor them for who they are. Yeah, yeah, and you know, my uh, for the last um, well, yeah, since nineteen ninety five, um, since some you know significant changes in my life, uh, in my career, it's always been important for me to have profit and purpose, margin and mission together. Um, for me personally, anyway, there's, there's a lot of ways a person could make money. Um, I prefer to try to do well by doing good. And uh, I think it makes, it makes my, my life and my work much, much more meaningful. And um, it's always been like, the, you know, a real driver behind uh, my work, my choice of work, and the way I go about my work. Beautiful. So I, I'm curious, as you know, as a rabbi who spends a good deal of time learning and teaching Torah, I'm curious: Do your sudsters that are in now 4,000 zip codes across the country are they aware that the leadership of of Sudshare is Jewish, and that 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 much of the of what you're doing in order to create a great relationship is stems from your Judaism? It's an interesting question. Um, so we'd have to poll them. We'd have to survey them to, uh, to find out for sure. But my guess is yes. Um, one of the things I do 
in order to accomplish what I was describing before in terms of helping them and connecting with them and all of that. I mean, there's a hundred thousand of them, so I can't have a personal relationship with them, but pretty consistently I make these videos and um, which, which they watch. Um, and I, I never, I mean, other than to take a shower or something like that, I, I, I never take off my keepa. Um, and so I'm sure they see uh, in these videos that I'm wearing a kippa and I'm Jewish. Um, and, uh, and so, um, you know, there's also, also a lot of publicity out there about such share, um, you know, that uh, where there are pictures of me and Nakshon and, and discussion and, and neither of us ever take our kippahs off. I mean, we, you know, and so, you know, we, uh, and Nakshon wears his sits-sits out, you know, um, and so there are pictures in the media of us. And so it's pretty hard to miss. And we're not, you know, we're not shy or embarrassed by it. We're actually uh, proud of it. And as I said uh, before, and I think it's worth repeating, um, one of the things I'm trying to accomplish in my work is a Kiddush Hashem. Um, it's an important part of my sort of personal mission. And so, so yes, um, I think that they, I think they do know also in some of the videos. Um, I mean, I certainly am not preaching, you know, religion or anything like that. However, um, our, our number one core value in the company, uh, is God is our boss. Now in explaining it, I always quickly transition to, I'm not speaking about religion. What I mean is do the right thing. Um, but I do start with that phrase, God is our boss. And then I explain what that means, which is to do the right thing. Uh, and there's a whole video on that. In addition to that, it wouldn't be unusual for me in a video to, at the end of the video, I usually sort of, I try to um, just say goodbye, you know, and sometimes I'll say, you know, God bless or have a blessed day or, you know, uh, uh, again, I'm certainly not preaching religion or trying to, I'm not quoting chapter and verse. And there are a hundred, hundred thousand of these sisters nationwide. And, you know, I'm sure there's a certain percentage that, uh, don't like God or don't believe in God or don't have any new religion. So I'm very careful. Um, but I'm also, you know, I also am who I am and, and not trying to, um, disguise that. Okay, beautiful. Now, uh, Mort, what would you, what would you say as advice to a, uh, a budding entrepreneur, somebody who's interested in, in, in having someone who has a great idea and wants to implement the idea in the world to improve the world and to, and to also support their 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 own family? What what advice would you give to such a budding entrepreneur? Well, the first thing is to realize that there's very little value in an idea. Um, there are a gazillion ideas. There are a gazillion great ideas, um, you know, most of which will fail, most of which never even start. <laughs> um, you know, most people will, 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 will die with great ideas on their mind or in their head. And, uh, 
you know, it, it never even gets started. And, uh, and the ones that do get started, a very, very high percentage of them, you know, will fail. So I think the first thing to appreciate, and I guess I, I was prompted by the way you asked the question to, to answer it this way first, but I think the, because uh, in my mind, anyway, my interpretation of your question, somehow, somehow there was an emphasis on the word idea, at least how that's how I interpreted it. So the first, the first thing to appreciate is that uh, the idea is relatively insignificant. Execution is everything. I would I would take great execution over a great idea any day of the week, um, and the best idea will fail without world class execution. And so it's just important to appreciate that it's it is very 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 difficult to start a business and succeed with it, um, and. Uh, it just requires relentless, world-class execution. Yeah, so you were asking me about a problem or a challenge I faced and what I learned from it. So I was describing this marital crisis that my wife and I went through many, many years ago. Uh, unless you want me to, I won't go into all, sort of the details of, of that. But, uh, but in short, what I learned was an incredibly, incredibly valuable lesson, which everybody, I think, can benefit from, which is that despite conventional thought, Marriage and succeeding in marriage is just like anything else in life in that there's a way to do it. It, it, it really is a skill. It's a learned skill. And there are certain principles and practices that drive the success of a marriage. And if you learn them and employ them, you are dramatically more likely to succeed. If you don't learn them and don't apply them, and if you violate some of the sort of principles that are driving a success, so then you're dramatically more likely to fail. And this is completely counter to all the messaging in the media, which is things like love is a mystery. You have to be lucky in love. And even people talk about sort of this chemistry that exists or doesn't exist between people. And it's really a, the lie of romantics. It is an absolute lie. And it's just simply not true. Uh, you don't have to be lucky in love and there's nothing mysterious about it. You have to be smart. There really is a way to create that connection between a, between a husband and wife. Now, don't misunderstand. Many people listening might be thinking, well, I've fallen in love and I don't know anything about it. And it just kind of happened. And okay, it's true. Uh, but falling in love and sustaining a successful marriage are two completely different things. They have nothing to do with one another. <laughs> Any idiot can fall in love. And all, and, and all of us do. To stay in love for a lifetime with one person, that's a skill that requires real mastery. And one of the reasons why we have such a horrific divorce rate in our culture is because people think that uh, it's that sort of initial falling in love experience that is real love and is going to carry me through my life with this person. And then when they no longer have that experience, 
well, something's wrong with the relationship or something's wrong with my spouse. And then this is why we, you know, we have divorce and remarriage and divorce and remarriage. And it's just crazy. There's um, just a lot of misinformation. Um, everybody knows the divorce rate amongst first marriage is 50%. What most people don't know is the divorce rate amongst second marriage is 70%. Oh my. Third, third marriage is 80%. What do you mean? What's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. Didn't I learn from my last mistake? I would never marry somebody like that again. I would never make those mistakes again. But that's not what's happening. <laughs> In fact, you, what you have is a higher concentration of people that just don't get how to do this thing. And so it just keeps happening over and over again. And the one thing in common, notwithstanding people's stories about why they got divorced three times, the one thing in common with all three of the marriages is them. Right. <laughs> only thing in common. What? <laughs> the only thing in common. Yeah. Right. I get it. I see this. You're very, very passionate about this subject, obviously, because you're, you're able. So because of the challenge that you had, whatever it was, you're able to turn that around and actually help analyze why you were having that challenge, overcome it and actually help other people and make it your livelihood to help other people for many years. Yep. I've been doing it for two decades. I don't really spend much time on it now. Most of my time goes to such share now, but for about two decades, I was doing it full time. Amazing. So I, I have another question that something you mentioned in passing right at the beginning and something I'm very, very curious about is that you said that your son and, and your children were raised homeschooled and that gave them the belief and the understanding that they could accomplish anything. Can you elaborate on that? Well, first of all, I'm not sure that they all think they can accomplish anything. <laughs> um, but we homeschooled our kids. Um, uh, through eighth grade, um, the uh, we still have one we're in, still that's thirteen that we're still homeschooling. But the oldest four, um, they did go to uh, to high school, even though Nakshon, when he was in high school, really only participated in the religious studies at Yeshiva. He didn't participate in the secular studies because he was working on Sudshir while all the other kids were learning math and science. Um, but anyway, your question is, yeah, we, I mean, we homeschooled them and, and, you know, one of the things we tried to teach them is that you can learn anything and you don't need a school or a degree to do it. Um, in fact, <laughs> this is a whole nother conversation it has to be on a whole podcast, but we actually believe that schools and degrees most really interfere with learning. Um, that the, uh, that the process and methodology of most educational institutions is uh, interfering with the learning process, ironically. Anyway, that's a different discussion. Uh, but yeah, we taught them that you can learn anything. You don't need school or degree to do it. And thank God, Nakshon believed us. I mean, our other kids to different degrees believe us also. Uh, and they're, you know, accomplished in their own ways. Um, but uh, yeah, Nakshon, you know, he is uh, a high school dropout. He uh, never took a class in technology. He didn't go to college. Uh, he didn't have a tutor or a coach. Um, but he's the CTO and built a hundred million dollar company. Amazing! Wow. And your other, you have another son. Are your other children in the business as well? I have. This... I brought him four other children. Uh, two other sons. One works in real estate in Baltimore, and the other one, Moshe who is Nakshon's triplet brother, 
works in the business with us. Right. And, and, Mo, and Moshe also, uh, he, in fact, Moshe is 21 years old, never gone to college, never worked for another company. Uh, he is learning right now from the ground up uh, how to be a digital marketer. And he's teaching himself and he's researching and he's digging and he's, he's doing in marketing what Nakshon did in tech and applying that same sort of, I guess, value or, or, or Mita that we tried to impart upon our children. Amazing. Wow. There's so many different areas. I would love to just go deeper with you in, first of all, I know I, I read when I, the reason why I got to you is because I read an article about, about your family and the business. And I know there's a story to tell about how you didn't grow up Jewishly observant and, and you came to it as a young adult, I imagine. There's a whole story there. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to ask about such share that I'm, I'm very curious about. And I'm sure there are other people uh, curious about that and, and how, you know, and what you're doing now. And the homeschooling is a whole nother a whole other subject. Uh, if somebody wants to find out more and, and learn from, from your family's example, where, where can they turn? Well, if they want to learn more about, I mean, we talked, we talked on a number of touched on a number of topics today. Right. Uh, certainly <laughs> if you want to learn more about Sudshare, you can go to sudshare.com. Um, and uh, please don't waste your life doing laundry. Give it to us to do instead. Um, you'll have a better life and more free time. Uh, so sudshare.com is the right address for that. Um, if you want to learn about more about marriage and the methodology that I created, it's an, it's an alternative to marriage counseling. So you can go to mortfortel.com and you can learn about, uh, marriage fitness there. Um, if you want to learn more about homeschooling um i really have to speak to my wife <laughs> she she's really the one i mean I, I supported it uh but she's really the one who actually did the the homeschooling i mean i, I was work, working um and she really has some very well thought out sort of philosophies of education and raising children and educating them uh, okay so anybody who wants to reach Mrs. Fertella could reach me, Rav Tuv Network at, oh, actually this email address would be Tuvia at podcastfellowship.com and we will send, we'll send it on to Mort and he'll forward it and we'll, that'll be the way to, to get in touch. And uh, is there anything for, for all the Jewish students that are involved with the podcast fellowship who are, who are watching this and learning from this, is there any parting message you'd like to leave us with about, you know, Everyone, everyone is in a different place with their Judaism. Some had education, some didn't. Some, you know, one Jewish parent, and there's just a lot, of, a lot of different places all around the, really all around the world. Is there a message that you'd like to uh, to give over to them? Sure, I guess uh, you know uh, we just passed the holiday. Uh, we just celebrated the holiday of Shavuos, where uh, we celebrate the giving of the Torah to the Jewish people, and. Um, we read there right before God, Hashem, gives the Torah to Jewish people. That his vision is that, that we be a mamlechet kohanim, a kingdom of priests. And that, um, that we will be his treasure, a segula, a treasure. And that our mandate is to be 
a goy kadosh, a holy nation. And um, I guess my parting message is to realize that we spend a lot of our time at work and, you know, we have to earn an income, of course. And our work is important and hopefully we're doing meaningful work. But to realize that, you know, ultimately our mandate, uh, our most important mission in life is to um, to be that mamlechet kohanim, that, that kingdom of priests, that, uh, that holy nation. And, um, and, and all of our, our whole life, every moment of every day, of course, we have to be thinking about, you know, is this productive? Is this, you know, what I need to be doing now for lots of reasons because I need to get such and such done. But, but ultimately, the most important benchmark, the most important um, sort of guide for every moment of every day is, is this somehow contributing to that ultimate mission and mandate? Um, because companies come and go, jobs come and go, but that mandate is eternal. Okay. more. thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. And I'm sure that that many many will will have will will benefit from this conversation and from learning from your example. So I'm I'm very yeah very impressed and I, I'm very thankful to you. Pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope it was helpful to at least somebody. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.